Hello and welcome to Hymns We Love. My name is Steve Kramer and I help with connections in Claygate with my wife Pippa and that's where this series around Hymns We Love first began. Each day this week we're looking at a different well-loved hymn and through each one we'll explore an aspect of God's character. Each day we'll sing the hymn and then look at what we can learn from it and from its author. We'll then sing the hymn again before ending with a short prayer for ourselves and for those around us in these difficult times. In total it should take around 20 minutes. But don't worry, this call isn't costing you anything, so please feel free to relax and listen. Today we're going to sing our third wonderful hymn, Amazing Grace, and through it try to catch a glimpse of the amazing, extravagant, unnecessary love and grace that God pours out to you and to me. Let's hear it now, and if you know the words, you are very welcome to sing along as loudly as you like.
According to Jerry Bailey of Broadcast Music, Amazing Grace may be the most recorded song on the planet. It's been recorded nearly 7,000 times by people as diverse as Elvis Presley, Aretha Franklin, the Royal Scots Dragoon Guards and even the Lemonheads. But what is it about this hymn, written nearly 250 years ago by a Buckinghamshire clergyman called John Newton, that makes it so popular even today? Maybe it's because it speaks so simply and eloquently about a life turned around and a hope still to come. It tells us that Jesus was not just saving us from something, but was saving us for something. And perhaps the best way to explore what this could be is to have a look at one of Jesus' best-known stories, the parable of the prodigal son. It's the story of a rich man who had two sons, and one day the younger one comes to his father and asks for all his inheritance, half of everything the father owns. His father gives it to him, but instead of using it sensibly, the son runs off and squanders the whole lot on wild living. Eventually the money runs out, and he goes through a terrible time, ending up completely destitute and starving. Jesus tells us that at this low point he finally comes to his senses, and realises that even his father's servants are better off than him. And though he has blown his chance as a son... Perhaps he could go back and work for his father as a servant. Then at least he would be fed and have a place to sleep. So he heads off home. And this is how Jesus describes what happens next in chapter 15 of Luke's Gospel. When he was still a long way off, his father saw him. His heart pounding, he ran out, embraced him and kissed him. The son started his speech. Father! I sinned against God. I sinned before you. I don't deserve to be called your son ever again. But the father wasn't listening. He was calling to the servants. Quick, bring a clean set of clothes and dress him. Put the family ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then get the best heifer and roast it. We are going to feast. We're going to have a wonderful time. My son is here, given up for dead and now alive given up for lost and now found. And they began to have a wonderful time. You see, the father wasn't in the slightest bit interested in just rescuing his son from the mess he was in. He wanted far more. He loved his son so much that he wanted to totally restore him to the place he was before it all went wrong. That's why he put the family ring of authority on his finger. That's why they had such a party. And that is what grace is. It's free, extravagant and costly to the giver. God doesn't want to just rescue us from our mess. He wants to share his riches with us, to restore us to our place as his children with all that that entails. And John Newton, who wrote today's hymn, really understood what it meant to be taken on that journey by God. As I think it fair to say, he tested the story of the prodigal son to its extreme. The son of a merchant navy captain. John's mother died when he was seven and, understandably maybe, he became very unruly. He was sacked from his first job and at 19 was press-ganged into the navy. He deserted, 
was caught, flogged and eventually began working on the slave ships, taking captured slaves from Africa to the Caribbean to be sold as property. Here his behaviour grew even worse. He beat people, raped women and behaved utterly appallingly. He ended up reduced to rags, put in chains and begging for food. He was eventually rescued and was heading back to England by ship when he encountered a massive storm. The ship he was travelling in was badly damaged and close to sinking. As Newton struggled at the wheel of the ship, expecting to die, his mind turned to his childhood and the stories of God he'd heard from his mother. And for the first time in his life, he wondered if those stories might actually be true. Well, the ship survived the night and incredibly a further four weeks at sea, eventually drifting into Ireland with all supplies gone. Newton was convinced that it was only God who had saved him and there and then vowed to follow God for the rest of his life. But things were not that straightforward. Though he tried hard to become a better person, to read his Bible, even stop swearing, he continued to work in the slave trade and on his very next trip to Sierra Leone quickly fell back into the absolute worst of all his ways seemingly powerless to stop himself. He then caught a terrible fever and as he lay sick, despair utterly overwhelmed him. He realised he was even worse than the prodigal son because he had had his chance to return and had thrown it away. He had effectively rejected God twice, so surely there was no way back for him now. He ended up crawling to a remote corner of the island he was staying on and there, in his own words, cast himself before his Lord, who should do with him as he pleased. He'd reached such a low that he no longer cared what happened to him. All he could do was throw himself on God's mercy without even much hope of an answer. There was no sudden flash of light, but afterwards he was always clear that this was the point where everything changed. He recovered his strength, returned to England got married and began to rebuild his life. Just eight years later, he applied to become an Anglican priest, but not surprisingly, it took a further seven years before he was actually accepted. But he eventually became vicar of Olney in Buckinghamshire, where he set up a regular Thursday evening prayer service. It was his habit to write a weekly hymn for this, and so it was in 1772, no doubt reflecting on the journey of his life, that he wrote the hymn Amazing Grace. To finish his story, he had by this point realised the evils of the slave trade and joined the anti-slavery campaign, working with and supporting William Wilberforce. And then finally, just nine months before he died in 1807, the abolition of the Slave Trade Act was passed. You can therefore see that when he wrote Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me, he really knew what he was talking about. He knew what God had rescued him from, but he could also see what God had rescued him for. He could see that it was God's grace, God's endless love and forgiveness that had kept him safe through many dangers, toils and snares. But he could also see that God had gone so much further than just rescuing him, so much further than only forgiving him. He had completely restored him to the place he was always meant to be, close to God, 
bright shining as the sun in full and loving relationship. And this is amazing grace. Just like the father in the story of the prodigal son, God had not only shown him mercy, he had lavished him with grace. God's grace is extravagant. It is illogical. It is undeserved. It is unnecessary. But it is also utterly wonderful. And that is grace. And when we recognise how undeserved it is and how beautiful and strong it is, it leaves us amazed. No wonder this hymn is loved by so many people.
This is Pippa, and I lead Connections, which is where Hymns We Love first began. I'm now going to pray two short prayers as we finish our time together today. Please feel free to join me. Dear Lord, thank you that no matter how far I wander, you will always be there waiting. Like the father in the story of the prodigal son, ready to run towards me with your arms wide open, to pick me up, hug me and welcome me back to be at your side. Thank you that the life of John Newton shows how this is true, even for those of us who feel so undeserving. Lord, maybe for the first or for the thousandth time, I turn to you now and say I am sorry for all that I have done wrong. Please forgive me, wash me clean and take me back into your arms. I ask this in the name of Jesus and in confidence that you hear me and love me. Amen. And now let's pray for those around us in these difficult times. Dear Heavenly Father, in this time of lockdown and pandemic, we pray for our world, our nation, our communities and ourselves. We pray for all those in authority, both in our own country and across the world, and ask that you give them wisdom, vision, strength and humility to lead wisely and compassionately at this difficult time. We pray for all those working hard and risking their lives to help others at the moment, in particular those working in the NHS, in care homes, in medical research and in the community supporting the sick and the elderly. Please strengthen them and protect them. Give them skill empathy and resilience to enable them to keep caring and supporting others. We pray for all those who are sick and ask that they may know your presence in their isolation and your peace in their turmoil. For those who are grieving, we ask you, dear Lord, to bring them comfort in their loss and your hope in the depths of their despair. We now pause to name before you those who we know are frail, sick or grieving. Finally, Lord, we pray for ourselves and ask that you would protect and sustain us in mind, in body and in spirit and that we would know your peace each step of the way through these dark days. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for calling Daily Hope. Please call again tomorrow or press zero to return to the main menu.